0: Good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing? Good. Guys, it's summertime. You want to know how I know? Well, besides, it's like 90 degrees outside. Because NTS is in like just a few weeks. We're so pumped. Um, it's, you, know, you know it's getting close when we start getting hyped for NTS. It's nice and beautiful and warm outside. We got people building decks. We got people getting ready to go on vacation. It's summertime. That's exciting. Yeah? Everyone excited? All right, cool. Well, hey, I wanted to, I wanted to start with this. Um, I want to ask you guys a question. So have you guys ever seen, maybe like online or on Facebook or something like this, those like nailed it pictures. Does anyone know what I'm talking about before I even explain it? Everyone know what nailed it pictures are? So basically, if you haven't seen, I'll, I'll share some with you in a moment, not quite yet, but basically, if you haven't seen a nailed it picture, what a nailed it picture is, is when there's, there's two pictures kind of side to side and they're split in the middle. And on one side is this like gorgeous, like beautiful picture of like this perfect like wedding cake or, or a baked good or something like that, but it's like pristine. It's just this work of art. And the other half of that is someone, a very untrained person's attempt to recreate that thing. Um, and they are hilariously terrible every single time. So I'm going to share some with you. Um, if you haven't seen one, be blessed by this today. So if you check that out, little minion um, cupcake and then a little, oh, <laughs> can we go back? I just want to admire the, the crazy eyeballs that, that those minions have. Like it's, it's a total disaster. Okay, next one. We got a little cookie monster cookie. And I don't know what happened if that, like frosting, just like if they put it on the cookie when it was hot and it just melted but his eyes falling off. It's very nice. Nailed it. Totally nailed it. And then the little SpongeBob SquarePants cake. Totally nailed it. That's also one of my favorites. A little googly-eyed, but, you know, whatever. It's kind of what it is. So check this out. This became, if you're, if you're not kind of aware of this, this became such, uh, like, this incredible internet sensation that Netflix decided to make a show called Nailed It. And it's literally that. It's people trying to do the exact same thing. So the premise of the show, can you guys hear me okay? Am I a little loud? Not too loud? Okay. So the premise of the show is basically they, they bring these contestants on and they, they give these contestants no time, no training, no instruction. And they give them this like super short time limit to try to recreate these like unbelievably like complicated wedding cakes and certain things like that. And it's and it's. It's funny, but it's also painful to watch <laughs> because, I mean, the, the specific contestants they bring on, they, they bring contestants on that are, like, intentionally goofy. Like, goofy enough to be very, very confident in their ability to go ahead and make these cakes, but also, like, totally untrained and totally unaware of how, like, inept they are. <laughs> and so they bring these people on. And they—they're just—it's—it's it's disastrous, and like they, there's all these hilarious pictures at the end. But basically, I mean, so Elena and I, my girlfriend, we started watching it. We only got two episodes through because I couldn't handle it anymore. It was so frustrating to watch. There's there's one scene where this lady she she's trying to figure out how to frost this wedding cake, and so her uh, the thing she decides to do is like scoop out icing with their hand, and just smear it on the wedding cake with their bare hands. (laughs) And it's a total disaster. I told Elaine, I'm like, I I can't watch this anymore. (laughs) We need to turn this off. This is driving me absolutely insane. So all these people... I mean, they have the cake that they're modeling in front of them. They know what they want their cake to look like at the end, right? Um, but the problem is they just aren't equipped to actually make it happen. They have no formal training. They have no practice or experience in the field of baking. They just want to come on the show and make one of these masterpieces, and it's a disaster every single time. Um, I think what's interesting about that, though, is I, I was, as I was kind of just thinking about that show... I kind of relate to that in a certain way. Now, not in like the baking field. I'm not a big baker. I like, I like sweets, don't get me wrong, but I'm not a big baker. And so what I related to was the idea of like knowing what I want, knowing what I want the outcome to be and knowing what the goal is, um, but not really wanting to wait through the process of becoming good at that certain thing so I could make that thing happen. Does that, is everyone with me? Does that make sense so far? So the... The thing is, I, I, like, I kind of relate to these people I'm like super annoyed with. Um, but we, we kind of all, I think, in our life have, have these times where we know what we want. We know what our goal is. We know what we're shooting for. Um, we maybe even know the, the plan that God has for our lives. And we're, we're interested in reaching that plan, but we're not necessarily interested in the process that leads us to that plan. So um, there's a passage in the Bible I think it illustrates this really well, um, and I wanted to read it together. But basically, before we do that, let me set it up a little bit. So it's another story that's taken straight from the life of David. Um, now, we've been in this, in this series called, um, called Shepherds and Kings, um, and we've been just walking through the life of David. And we started when David was a young boy. Um, and we're going to go all the way to the end of David's life. Um, but basically, where we are in the story, David isn't King David yet. He's just regular David. Um, but the interesting thing is he knows that he's called to be king. He's been anointed by God. He's been called by God. And he's in process of being equipped by God to become king. But he's not king yet. Because want anyone know who the king is at the current time? Want to guess? Yeah, Saul. Very good. So Saul is currently king. David is serving under king. Now the awkward part is Saul knows that David has been appointed by God to be the next king of Israel. And that makes Saul incredibly uncomfortable. He doesn't like the idea of someone else um, taking power over from him. He loves being the top dog. He loves being in control. And in fact, he's going to great lengths to make sure that he remains in control. Um, And if you know the story, you know what I'm talking about. Um, So Saul keeps sending out these these groups of men to go and kill David. He's trying to find him. So basically where David's life is right now is he's living on the run. He's running and he's hiding and he's running and he's hiding and his whole life is pretty much on the road right now because he's trying to avoid being killed by Saul and his men. So where we pick up in this story where we're going to read, Saul is again pursuing David um, and he just, just recently learned about the location of David. So um, he sends some men to go and find them. And we're going to read um, from 1 Samuel together. It's going to be 1 Samuel, Samuel chapter 24. Um, it'll be NIV, and it will have the passage on the screen. Otherwise, you can follow along in your own Bible. Um, but yeah, 1 Samuel 24. I'll give you a second. So we're going to pick up in verse 2, if that's okay. So 24-2. Cool. So let's read this. So it says this. So Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel... And set out to go look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came came to the sheep pens along the way, and a cave was there. And Saul went in to relieve himself. David and and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give you your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now, just a couple interesting things. I think we need to pay attention to there. There's a few weird things. First of all, Saul has 3,000 men with him. If, if, if there was any doubt in your mind about how seriously he's taking this pursuing of David, that, that, should, be, that should kind of clue you in. He's bringing 3,000 men to this kind of strange place called the Crags of the Wild Goats. And he stops by this cave basically to go take a pee. So he goes into this cave um, and David's men go, hey, here you go. This is this is your chance. We we can we can stop living like this. We can stop living on the run. Like this is your chance. The the Lord promised He would deliver your enemies into your hands. You can deal with them as you wish. Go and do it. And so and it's almost anticlimactic in the fact that David sneaks up behind Saul, and cuts off a corner of his robe. Like it almost it almost teases up like oh he's gonna he's gonna get him. But then I'm I'm thinking that's probably not quite what David's men had in mind when they had said hey go and. You know, the Lord has delivered your enemies into your hand. Like, go and go and do what you need to do. And he cuts off a corner of his robe. Um, but just kind of skipping ahead, we're going to jump to verse 10, sorry. Um, basically, here's what's interesting. David does this, and then he feels really, really bad about it, which kind of was interesting to me when I read this, because it, it doesn't seem fair. Like, Saul is trying to kill him. And David feels really bad for cutting off a corner of his robe. Um, But the reason for that, um, we'll see in a second. Basically, Saul leaves the cave. David goes back out to talk to him. In verse 10, it says this. So this is David speaking to Saul. This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lift my hand against my master because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. Now understand and recognize that I am not guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me. But my hand will not touch you. And I admire... David's humility. I admire his self-control, but I'm simultaneously a little bit annoyed by the fact that he was that kind to Saul. Um, but, but so David's saying, look, um, you, you, I know you came here to kill me. You've tried to kill me many, many times before. Um, but just now I had the opportunity to take this situation into my own hands. I had the opportunity to stop living on the run, to stop living in hiding, to stop, um, being constantly on the move, um, and take the decision in my own hand. Um, but I decided to spare your life. And he's, he's kind of just, he's, he's just telling Saul that. So the thing is, David knew that he was called to be the next king of Israel. He knew that. He knew it was God's plan that he would eventually take over um, that power from Saul. Um, but he also knew that at the present time, um, Saul was king. And as evil as Saul was, Saul, still had, Saul was still God's anointed, and it was forbidden to David to even lay a finger um, on God's anointed, which is why he felt so bad about cutting off the corner of his robe. So, but God had a plan for David's life, and that plan including him, included him becoming king. Um, but God also, so get this, God also had a process by which he wanted to bring that plan about. Does that make sense? He had a plan for David to become king. He also had a process by which he wanted to bring that plan about, and killing Saul was not a part of that process. Um, So David had the opportunity in that moment to kind of undercut the process and skip right to the plan. I can can just do this now. I can kill Saul and rightfully become king. I am the anointed word of God, David could could have thought, right? Um, But he made the decision not to. So um, it's, I think as I'm, as I'm kind of reading this and thinking about this and as I was just studying, I think it's a lot the same for our own lives. Um, God has a plan for each and every one of us. He has something that he's bringing us to. He has a, sort of a, a final uh, goal or a destination or a chapter that he's leading us to. But he also has a process by which that he wants to bring that plan about. And we can't trust God's plan for our lives if we aren't willing to trust also in that process. Um, As I was thinking about this, it it reminded me of another really just a favorite passage that I have. Um, It's in Psalm 139, and a lot of you may have read this before. Actually, it's also written uh, by David. It's about about David's relationship with God. Um, But basically what's happening in Psalm 139, I I love David's heart because he is just— He's just pouring himself out. And if you ever, like, spend um, any amount of time reading psalms, you see um, kind of that heart of David. We, we, it kind of makes sense why people talk about having a heart of David a lot because it's, I think it's something to admire. It's something to um, almost strive for. But basically what David's doing is he's just pouring his heart out before God. He's just worshiping him, and he's just in awe of who God is and what God's doing. Um, but specifically, he's talking about how amazed he is um, about how well God knows him and how intentional God is about knowing him. Um, he's talking about how he knows him so intimately that every, every thought and every action is seen by God. Um, he talks about how there's, there's nowhere he can go, that he can hide from his presence. There's nowhere um, that he isn't with God. Um, and he's even talking about how God knit him together in his mother's womb um, and how, how he was even, just the fabric of his being was just woven together by God. And it's it's very intense. It's, it's very, like, emotional to read um, as well. But the, path, or the verse specifically that always uh, sticks out to me um, is verse uh, 16. So it's Psalm 139, verse 16. We'll have it up on the screen here. He says, All the days of my life were written in your book before one of them came to be. And I have to almost ponder that a little bit sometimes because, I think of all the passages that I've read in the Bible, this is the one that I, it just resonates in my mind and in my heart all the time. I, I think about this a lot. Um, all the days of my life were written in your book before one of them came to be. So not only does God know us, but He knows and, and, and who we are and, and who He's created us to be. But He knows the full the full span of our lives, the full scope of what what He's calling us to, and, and the process that He's calling us through um, to get there. Um, and every time I read, read that passage, I just kind of have to stop and think about it. So um, I wanted to do this, so, so check this out. One second. So I'm thinking about my life as a book now, right, because this is kind of the analogy that this passage draws. Um, thinking about my life as a book, let's say, just for the sake of example, that I live to be 100 years old. Not a day earlier, not a day later. I live to be 100 years old. If my life is a book, I'm 25 years old. So that puts me, what? Maybe in this first quarter, right? I'm in kind of the first quarter of this book. And so I'm 25. All I know is what's happened so far. I know the characters that I've been introduced to. I know the events that have taken place up until this point. But I don't know what happens on the next page, let alone at the end of the book. And not only that, but if at the end of the book is the plan that God's calling me to, if it's the, it's the final goal, it's the final purpose, um, it's maybe even the legacy that I will leave um, as a follower of Christ, if that's on the last page and I can see all that from there, um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of book in between now and then. So, so there's a lot of process, so to speak, before the plan. Does that make sense? Everyone with me? Um, so I'm thinking about it that way. Um, look at... I mean, no matter where you are um, in sort of the book, so to speak, of your life, there's, there's process ahead of you, um, no matter how much. And that process is important because it leads us to the plan that God is calling us to. Um, so I, I kind of I wanted to talk about these two things. So why, why, why actually is it important to God? Why does it matter to God that we trust the process that he's calling us to, not just the plan he's calling us to. We talk a lot about the plan, God's, God's plan. There's even a popular Drake song right now called God's Plan. And like, so we talk a lot about like God's plan. We don't talk a lot about God's process. It almost sounds a little dry, sounds a little boring. But process is the story of our lives. It's the events. It's everything that God is calling us through and all the things that we're learning through that and the way that God's speaking into our life because of that. So why, why does it matter to God? Uh, that, we, that we trust the process. Um, as I was thinking about this, I think really it comes to two things. I think there are two things that sort of um, rose to the surface for me that are reasons that it's important uh, to trust this process. And the first one is to protect us. Um, I want to share a story. Um, I heard a pastor share this once, um, not, a, not a pastor that I know personally, but I, I just heard a pastor um, on a sermon sharing the story, and it, it really resonated with me. Um, basically, the story is... Um, the pastor was out in the yard playing with his kids out in the front yard. And at the time, um, this pastor said that they lived on a very, very busy street and had kind of a shallow front yard. So they had very specific and very strict rules with their kids about what was allowed as far as playtime in that front yard, right? What was allowed as far as how close you're allowed to be to the road, how, like, when you're allowed to be out there without mom and dad, all these sorts of things, And what happened was the whole family was out in the yard playing uh, just catch with the ball, throwing it back and forth. Um, And their young, young daughter at the time, I'm not totally sure how old, um, was playing catch, just throwing the ball back and forth. um, And a ball gets thrown. It kind of takes a weird bounce, and it starts heading towards the road. um, And then it heads out into the road. Um, and what happens is Ashley, their young daughter, without thinking about it, without skipping a beat, just takes off towards the road to, to get this ball. Again, busy road, their car's going by at 40, 50 miles an hour. Um, so the the pastor, obviously, the, the father, panics, um, as any parent would, um, and just starts taking off after his daughter. And, he, and he's yelling her name Ashley, Ashley, stop, Ashley, stop, Ashley, stop. He's calling after her. She's not listening, she's just taking off after the ball. And what happens is she gets to the road, and the pastor reaches her really just in time and grabs her by the, the back of her coat and pulls her away from the road um, just as a, as a truck passes by. Um, and he shares this story, and, it, and it's very intense, and it's very um, almost frightening. It kind of, like, makes my heart beat fast just thinking about um, this poor girl. Um, but what's interesting to me is in that moment, all this daughter could see was her ball. That's all, that's all she cared about. That's all this young girl had on her mind. You know, she wasn't, thinking about, she wasn't thinking about going to school, going to college one day. She wasn't thinking about getting married, having a family of her own, raising children. Um, she was just thinking about that one thing. She was just thinking about getting her ball back. She, had, she was completely unaware uh, of the danger of chasing that ball down into the road. Um, and I think we're exactly the same way sometimes, if you can kind of follow me with this. Um, I think we're severely short-sighted sometimes in our lives. Um, all we can see um, is the page of, the, of our life that we're on. Um, and often we, we behave as if there's nothing else after that. There's no consequences for our actions now. Um, and I know in my own life, I have made tons of short-sighted decisions that have ultimately, at the end of the day, hurt me. Um, and God, on the other hand, has a long view for our life. He sees far beyond the page that we're on. He sees the process that he's bringing us through, and he sees the plan um, that he's calling us to. Because he sees all of that, he is invested in our well-being, and, and he's invested in keeping us safe and keeping us secure um, in him. And that's, that's, that's physically, that's spiritually, that's mentally, um, all of those things. Um, so, and, and I think one of the most dangerous things to to us is ourselves. Would would anyone agree with that today? Um, We're one of the most dangerous things to ourselves, so he's invested even in protecting us from our own poor decisions. So the first reason I think it's important to trust the process that God has laid out for us is because it protects us. Um, The second reason um, that I had is that it protects the promise that he made to us. So it protects us, but it also protects the promise uh, that God has for us. Um, thinking again just about that story um, about David, he had the opportunity, again, to to skip over the process and go right to the plan. God had a plan for him to become king. The problem is that if he had done um, just that and he had killed Saul in that cave, I think he would have seriously damaged uh, the plan that God was calling him to. Because um, you, you could even think, sure, he would have, he would have become king, um, so how could that damage the plan? But how would that affect the way that people saw David? How would that... How would that affect the way that like people serving under David and and, and under David's rule would view him? And how would that view or how would that affect the way even we view David now? Would we be talking about, you know, this guy, David, who we've kind of glorified most of this morning and talked about as this this guy whose heart we we can aspire to be like. And he's just so um, in love with the Lord that we we want to have a heart like David. But how would that affect us um, if if David had had attained his power um, through murder? And murdered David in that cave. If that was a part of the story, would we really trust David um, the way we kind of trust him now? Um, And I think what happens is when we make decisions that undercut the process to skip right to the plan, we might only end up with part of the promise that God has for us. So um, with our students, um, just another example we talk about this a lot, um, but we talk about honoring God um, with our relationships and how God has a very specific and a very beautiful plan um, for our students' relationships. Um, and it's a plan, um, and, and this is a helpful lens, I think, to look at this through, but it's a plan that's intended to help maximize the joy and the happiness and the fulfillment that can come through a relationship. It's a plan that um, God has intended to act that way. And that starts with making the right decisions now. It starts with making good, healthy decisions now. Um, and choices that, I, I, you know, I spend, again, I spent a lot of time at that age, um, making decisions that undercut the process that God had for my life. And I've even seen in, in my own heart and in my life the ways that that is has even damaged and, and affect other relationships that I have now. Um, so... Now, now here's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't want you to be discouraged because it's never, ever, ever too late to begin to honor the process that God has um, for your life. You've never um, gone too far. You've never ha- made too many mistakes. Um, God's grace uh, for you is more vast and expansive than anything you could possibly imagine. And I, and I give thanks to God um, for that all the time. Um, even David. Um, who spent we've spent, again, most of this morning glorifying, makes some pretty horrific mistakes later in his life that we'll talk about in the coming weeks. Um, but God's grace is there for him, and he, God is constant through it all, um, and God continues to set David, even when he makes mistakes, even when he makes horrible mistakes um, that hurts himself and hurts other people, um, God is always ready to set him back on a path um, that, that God has intended him to be on, one that, that is glorifying to him, um, and brings about the calling that God has on David's life. Um, but God wants the full measure of his plan and purpose in our life, and he wants us to enjoy the full blessing of honoring that plan and that process in our lives. Um, and that's, that's why um, it's Im- so important for us to, to honor God in the process. So um, I want you to know today that, that no matter where you are in life, what, what chapter of your life you're on, what page, um, of that book of life that you're in, um, it's never, ever too late to begin to honor the process um, that God has set out for you. Um, I know that for experience in my own life. I know that ex- for experience, um, I- I've seen it in my parents' life um, over and over again, the ways that even you know, my, my parents have, have made mistakes. Um, in the process that God has laid out for them. Um, but God's grace is sufficient for them in every chapter of, of their lives. And he has continued to to set uh, my parents back on a road that honors him um, and that glorifies him. So it's, it's never too late, no matter the mistakes you made and no matter what the what you've been through um, in life it's it's never too late to say, "Hey God, um, I'm done trying to do things my own way I'm done trying to use my own means um, to maybe chase after a plan that I have for myself or that even that you have for myself, I'm trying to do things my own way, go through my own process and um, it's never too late to just say hey God I'm going to hand this over to you because I'm going to trust in you uh, that you actually know better than I do <laughs> for my life um, It's kind of kind of a, a funny thing to say because um, I think all, most of us in this room would kind of acknowledge, like, yeah, God probably does know better. Um, but it, interestingly, every time we choose our own path and our own process um, to try to go after certain things in life, really what we're saying is, God, I actually know better than you um, how I would like to go about this in my life. So I'm going to go ahead and do my own thing um, rather than yours. But it's never, ever too late to just say, hey, God, um, I'm handing this over to you. Um, I'm, not, I'm not doing things my own way anymore. Um, so Steve and Tanya, they're going to come back in a minute, and we're going to lead one more song that we're just going to close with. But if that's you today, I'm going to pray. So if that's you today, would you just join with me in agreement today in this prayer? So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. And again, we are just constantly in awe uh, of the grace uh, that you have offered us, uh, the forgiveness that you have um, for us, um, for your mercies that are poured out new each and every morning. Um, God, we're in awe. Um, So today, um, as a church family, we're just making this um, agreement uh, together um, that, Lord, we're going to trust in you. Uh, We're going to trust in your plan um, for our lives. We're going to trust in your process for how you want to get us there. And Lord, I know that as we honor you in that, um, you will be faithful to guide and to lead uh, us. God, no matter what chapter of our life that we're on, Lord, no matter what we've been through, no matter what um, we've done, what what mistakes might be in our past, we know that, that you are not done with us yet, God, and it's never too late to hand ourselves over to you. So we're doing that um, today, God, in just complete and total surrender to you and to your spirit. We're handing um, ourselves over. Lord, we pray all this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. We're going to stand